If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Luke chapter number two, Luke chapter number two, and I really want to start this series by talking to you about grace and what grace really is, and perhaps get you to have a greater understanding, and we're going to have this unfold over a few weeks because you can't just put grace into some sort of box, but I, I kind of liken it to this because I've heard grace described as God's favor. While I believe that God favors us, I, I kind of want to give you this example. When I was a kid, uh, we would go uh, once a year to Tennessee to my great-grandfather's farm, and he lived on a farm in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, and uh, at night, we would catch what I call lightning bugs. If you've never seen a lightning bug, you might have heard them referred to as fireflies. We don't have them in South Florida. We have mosquitoes. But up there, they have what's called lightning bugs. And it could be pitch black. And you know, you're on a farm in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. And so all of a sudden, you'll see this flash of light. And you know, that's a lightning bug. And so we would catch the lightning bug, which is actually not a fly, it's actually a beetle. We'd catch it and we'd put three or four of them in a jar and poke some holes, right? And that was, our, that was the fun that we had to do. And of course, by morning, they're all dead. They're all dead. We just killed them. That's what we did. And so that was one of the highlights of, of what I got to do on my grandfather, great-grandfather's farm as a kid. But I kind of want to give you this illustration, this understanding, to reduce the word grace and our understanding of grace to reduce it to just favor, right, is to take lightning and the power that we have in a lightning bolt and reduce it to the light that you get from a lightning bug. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, one has immense power, the lightning bolt. The other one is, is just fun to look at. And, and, and if we think that the favor of God is upon us so that we can get a parking spot at the mall at Christmas, if we think that's what the favor of God is for, that it's just simply reduced to us driving around some parking lot going, God, I need your favor right now. I need a, I need a spot up front. And then a spot opens up and you're like, whoo, you're a good God. The grace of God, right? No, somebody just happened to back out and you just happened to be there at the right place at the right time. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't pray for a good spot. I still do, right? Of course we do. But the favor of God it is not just simply the grace of God. And the grace of God is not just simply the favor of God. I would argue that when I talk about the grace of God, I want you to understand that there is a power, an immense power that is available to us with the grace of God. Amen? The power that we get from heaven above, it is lightning bolt. Listen, listen, lightning bolt power when I talk about the grace of God. Let's not reduce it to, to just parking spots, huh? And people and finding five dollar bill on on the sidewalk somewhere. Let's not reduce the grace of God to just simply God just giving us a nod every now and then. 
When we talk about the grace of God, we're talking about immense, immeasurable, incredible power that is made available to us. That is made available to us. Now let's look at Luke chapter 2 because you might wonder what does that have to do with the Christmas story. But I'm going to show you what I believe God showed me in his word concerning the Christmas story and the grace of God and how it ties in with a manger. I'm in Psalm 26. I need to go to Luke chapter number 2. So Luke chapter number 2, we're going to read just a few verses. Starting verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world, listen to that phrase, those three words, all the world. Watch that, okay? We'll come back to that. All the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Do you see what's taking place there? Everyone, there's a census being taken place. Caesar, who was the emperor at the time, made a decision that the entire world was going to be registered, and so... So that's what took place. And then verse number six says this. So it was that while they were there, so Joseph went with his wife to, to Bethlehem out of the city of Nazareth. While they were there, verse six, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Right? Because there was no room for them in the end. There was no room for them in the end. All right? Now, you have to understand what is taking place in history to really fully grasp what's taking place even at this moment. Caesar decreed that the entire world is going to be registered. We want everybody's name in a book somewhere. Joseph's family was from Bethlehem, so he had to journey back to Bethlehem. There's no way, there's no way that a man with a pregnant wife would have made this decision, right? So for Joseph, who was living in Nazareth, to get to Bethlehem, something serious had to take place. You don't move a pregnant lady in her eighth and ninth month, her last trimester. You don't put her on a donkey if you want to survive. You don't have her cross the desert and the terrain if you want to live. Come on now, right? There was no way. She was ready to nest. She was ready to put up the little, little play area and the little mobile and, and Joseph was building, busy, busy building a crib and all of a sudden they get word that they have to go now to Bethlehem. Why in the world would this take place? Micah chapter 5, there's a prophetic word by a prophet whose name was Micah and in Micah chapter 5 it actually says this, that from Bethlehem the Savior would come, right? Now you have to know, Micah chapter 5 takes place 700 years before what was taking place in Luke chapter 2. God had 700 
years to plan for Bethlehem's events, right? And so when I talk about the grace of God, what does the manger teach us? First of all, you have to know this. God's power is on display through his plans. I want to teach you that first. That's what the manger teaches us. God's power is on display through his plans. And God had 700 years to plan for the arrival of Jesus. So when Joseph is at the registration desk at the hotel and he's sitting there and he says, I need a room, my wife's pregnant. And they say back to him, there is no room here. You would think that God could have orchestrated and worked it out some way, somehow, that the hotel would not have been booked completely full. He had 700 years to organize this. 700 years. How long does it take for you to plan a vacation? Right? You want to make sure that the hotel is available. You check the, the confirmation number, all these things. God is up in heaven, and he's trying to teach us that nothing catches him by surprise. That the whole manger scene was orchestrated. That it was no accident that the hotel was booked up, right? Now, Luke says there was no room for him. God planned that there would be no room for Jesus in the hotel. Hallelujah. I want to teach you today that your steps are ordered by God even when you don't think it. That the power of God, the grace of God is on display when we read the Christmas story. We're not here reading it and thinking, oh, poor Joseph and poor Mary. God must have messed up their reservation. No, God orchestrated it. He planned it. He wanted Jesus born in a manger. Hallelujah. He wanted it. He orchestrated the whole thing. He planned the whole event. He had hundreds of years to plan it. And so when Joseph gets to the desk and the place is full, God's going, I know it. But in Joseph's thinking, he's going, can this get any worse? Not only do I have to take my pregnant wife on a donkey across the desert to Bethlehem. I have to now put her up in a stable and this baby's going to be born and we're going to put him in a feeding trough. I am not scoring any points right now. You better go find yourself some Briar's ice cream, Joseph, because you're in big trouble, my friend. Right? That's what he's thinking. And you might be here thinking to yourself, why is it that, that it seems like my plans never seem to be working out? Why is it that it seems like I take one step forward and two step back? Why is it that I seem like I, I am coming up against a brick wall? I want you to know that nothing catches God by accident. Hallelujah. 
His power and his grace is on display. When we read this story, he's not up there going, oh, I didn't know that that was going to happen to you. This whole thing has caught me by surprise. I don't even know what to do now. He's not up there wondering what his next move is. You might be wondering what your next move is, but God is not pondering his next move. He's already got it figured out. Hallelujah. He's already got it figured out. Amen. So what looks like a setback for you, listen to me, church, is a setup. Hallelujah. God is setting up your future. He is planning your future. He is orchestrating your future. And by the very power and grace of God, he is ordering your steps. Huh? Because some of you are at the registration desk of life going, this whole thing's full. I mean, this whole thing's not working out like I planned. I mean, I've got a confirmation number here. Huh? And you're ready to let loose on somebody. Huh? And that poor person working behind the desk is going to get a piece of your mind. Amen? Not that you guys have ever done that. I know y'all sweet people have never ever been given anybody any grief. But you know, it's frustrating when you don't think that your plans are working out. It's frustrating. And I want to release you from frustration right now. Because you have to know that of all the decisions that brought you to this moment, God is beginning to just turn things towards your favor and nothing that you've done so far catches him off guard. And no decision that that has ever been made in the history of your life is a surprise to God. He brings us into position and he moves us into a place And if it looks like, hey, I somehow am stuck and I somehow can't figure out my next move. Listen, God has it figured out. His power is on display. The grace of God is on display. You need to know, hey, listen, there may not have been room for Jesus, but God orchestrated the whole thing. He planned the whole thing. His plans, his plans, his plans. Now, I want you to know what, how did all this happen, right? Think about all that had to take place to get Joseph and Mary even to Bethlehem. Verse one and two says this, that Caesar Augustus decreed that the whole world was going to be registered. Hallelujah. Man, I got so excited when we got to think about this because I thought this. God moved on an emperor to move everyone in the entire world so that he could move one couple. Did you hear me now? He moved on an emperor so that he could move The emperor could move everyone in the whole world so that he could move one couple to Bethlehem. What are you so worried about? Hallelujah. God is able to just take the whole world 
and say, listen, if I got to get you into position, I can move everyone on the planet at one time just to get you in the right place at the right moment. Hallelujah. The right place at the right moment. Amen. You say, yeah, but my baby's going to be born and, and put in a feeding trough. That's the plan of God. That's the purpose of God. And God's able to orchestrate it. Because some of you think, if I could only get this person to do this, if I could only get my boss to notice the extra hours, if I could only get this customer huh, to, to, to not give me so much grief, if I could only get this contract to be signed, if I could only get this house to sell, if I could only get my finances this way, and you're thinking, if I could only get this one move, this one move, God moved everyone on the planet. Hallelujah for Joseph and Mary. What am I so worried about? God's got this figured out. Listen to me now. That's the grace of God. See, it made me rethink this whole Christmas story. I started to think, wow, God, you moved everybody. Not just somebody, not just a few people, huh? You moved everybody. Hallelujah. That's the grace of God. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says this, for I know the plan. The plans that I think towards you, hallelujah. They're not plans for a disaster, the New Living Translation says. They're plans to give you a future and a hope, hallelujah. You know, that's so many people's life verse. A year ago last summer, I preached on life verses, and I said, I believe everybody needs a life verse. What's a life verse? A life verse is that go-to verse, man. When things are breaking loose in your life and, and things to be, seem to be going haywire, you can't figure out, sometimes we just need to go to a life first. It's a verse that anchors us. It's a verse that we can quote, that we just in the car, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, wherever we're at, we just go to that verse, right? Mine's Ephesians 3.20. I've quoted it many times. And this week I had to constantly remind myself, oh God, now to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I would ask or think according to what? The power, the grace of God that is at work in us. Hallelujah. Listen what it says. He is able to do. That's our God. He's a doer. He's not just a planner. He's a doer. Listen, he had 700 years from the prophecy of Micah to orchestrate Bethlehem, but honestly, he had longer than that. That's just recorded history. God knew where Jesus was going to be born before the beginning of time, and he knows the same about you. He knows where you're going to be a year from now. You don't know where you're going to be a year from now. He knows where you're going to be a year from now and five years from now, and guess what? He knows where you're going to be next month and six months from now, and he knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And he knows the phone calls you're going to get. Hallelujah. Nothing catches him by surprise. You have to know it. Psalms 33 says this, that God's plans are established. They stand firm forever. Listen, it says this, his intentions shall never be shaken. Hallelujah. No matter what anybody does, his plans for you are solid. Hallelujah. 
And he just has this way. He just has this way of orchestrating and moving and doing different things. Let me tell you, the whole manger thing is all prearranged. It was all a setup, huh? Joseph and Mary the whole time were trying to figure it out. And I gotta go to Bethlehem? Imagine Joseph breaking that news to Mary. Baby, we gotta we got go. What, what are you talking about? We gotta go. We gotta go to Bethlehem. They get to Bethlehem. Mary, you wait here on the donkey. I'm gonna carry the luggage in. I'm gonna get us a room. He comes back out. You're not gonna believe this. Place is packed out. But the owner has a stable. He said we could sleep with the cows and the horses. It's the best I, best I got. And the whole time they're thinking, God, you have forgotten us. God, where are you? God, you said that this was the Christ child. You had, you had angels visit us. I mean, God, where are you now? And God's just up there going, just don't worry. Hallelujah. And God's saying the same thing to you today. Just don't worry. I've got it all figured out. Hallelujah. One of my favorite stories is, is my, my mother and father-in-law were living in New York, in Long Island. That's one word, Long Island. And so they're up there, and they were actually visiting and driving through West Palm Beach, and my mother-in-law said to me, Sylvia said to me, she said, you know, that she, when she drove by West Palm Beach, she said to herself, one day I, I wouldn't mind living here, right? But they're living up there, and she had a friend who was a real estate agent who called her up one day. She said, Sylvia, I have a client. I've got to show them a house, and I don't have any houses to show them. Can I show them your house? And Sylvia said, the house isn't for sale. And she said, I know that, I know that, I know, I know. I just got to show them something. I know it's not for sale. I just got to show them something, right? And she said, oh, well, okay, it's not for sale, but you can come by. So this couple comes by. And they said, we'll take it. <laughs> Hallelujah. They said, the house is not for sale. We'll take it. And they sold the house right there. And they moved to West Palm Beach. Why? I'll tell you why. Huh? So that their daughter. Huh? I think it's for one reason only. So that their daughter could sign up to go on a missions trip. We were attending the same church, my wife and I, Trinity and Lake Worth. We both went to the same youth group. We had never met. i never even seen her before. We both signed up to go on the same mission trip. Except she was raising money to go. And uh, in the very last week when the money was due, the youth pastor went and visited somebody and that somebody said to them, how is it going with the fundraising for the Haiti mission trip? And he says to this person, well, I've got one person that needs funds still. And that person said, I'll pay for the rest of their trip. And that was my wife's trip. And so God 
orchestrated for them to come down here just so my wife could sign up for a missions trip to Haiti just so, this is my world now, this is what I believe, just so we could get on the same bus, go to the same Haitian village, come on now, and look at each other's eyes and our life will never be the same again. Hallelujah. How is that possible? Now they may have a few more reasons than mine. Right? But that's my reason they got here. God is able. God is able. It's the grace of God. Huh? Listen, I want you to revisit the Christmas story. I want you to take another look at it. And I want you to go, oh, you know what? God saw it. It wasn't a setback. It was really a set up. God orchestrated for everyone on the planet to move so that he could get one couple into one manger or one stable so that one baby could be born in a manger. That's the power of God. It's the grace of God. Would you do this? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment today? Thank you.